after a couple of years, uh, then Robert Simon uh, joined the team around 2000 or so. Robert joins the team. And so, again, another story of opportunity and serendipity. Yes, I don't remember how, exactly how it happened, but Robert came to CMS for a project. He was at DRC, which was a government contractor. And Robert was part of the team that developed what has since become uh, uh, Team Steps. It started out as med teams and it was developed. He had first done some work in the military for CRM training, but then brought that to medicine. They had a government grant and developed a, sim a, a non-simulation based CRM program in emergency medicine. That was med teams. And they actually went around and did training, med teams training programs. Robert, I don't know how he found CMS, I think it might have been through Steve Small, but I'm not sure. But he came and did a study of using simulation for CRM. And actually, it was published, uh, there's a paper published with that with Steve Small and Robert uh, on it. So that's how I got to meet Robert. And I'm pretty sure it was at his initiative, because I probably wouldn't have done this. He said, geez, why don't we just get together and let's have breakfast sometime? So we'd meet out at 128 in a hotel, the Weston Hotel. We'd have breakfast and did that every few months. And we would just kind of talk about our mutual interests of, uh, of not just simulation, but of CRM and the issues of error in healthcare and teamwork and all. Uh, and so this probably went on for several years in the late 90s. I can't remember exactly when he came here. It might have been around 99 or so. Because what happened is the money ran out at DRC. The grants dried up. And Robert had to leave. And he came to me and said, you got anything? And we created something. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he came and we had him just without a, uh, I don't even remember what the specific program was. But the thing that happened at the same time was the second Macy grant. And that's how IMS got started. And uh, we had two grants from the Macy Foundation. I can tell about the first one, but the second grant was to develop an instructor program. And when we got that grant, I didn't know exactly how we do it, but it was like, oh, Robert, why don't you do it? And it's like, oh, okay. And so Robert created the first prototype and developed the entire IMS, pro uh, IMS program from scratch. So the Institute for Medical Simulation came out of this realization of how important instructors were. And the way that started was, uh, as another tangential story of serendipity, uh, this, may, th this will connect, I promise. Uh, I was on the faculty of the Harvard-MIT Health Sciences Technology Program as a joint program of Harvard-MIT uh, MD-PhD program, uh, about 20, 25 students a year that are scientists, engineers. Um, and so I was on the faculty. I didn't actually teach courses, but I was connected there through virtue of Dick Kitsch, who was, Kitsch, who was the co-director for many years. And because I was connected, this opportunity just landed in my lap. Turns out the Macy Foundation, which is probably the only foundation that really funds just medical education, that's what they fund. Uh, June Osborne, I think is her name, she was the president, and they had funded the Harvard Macy Medical Educators Program. So June Osborne knew uh, Charles Vest, Chuck Vest, who was the provost at IIT. I didn't know either one of them. And Macy was interested to spread the funding around, and they'd never given MIT money. That was my understanding. And she went to him and said, gee, what kind of medical education work might you be doing or medical uh, research? 
that would be of interest to Macy. So Martha Gray, a co-director of the HST program at the time, got a bunch of us to come and present to June Osborne our research ideas. So I presented something. Within a few days, I got a call. It was write a grant in three weeks. So I wrote a grant proposal, and, uh, and the proposal was about, there were two aspects of it, but it was about using simulation to study something about uh, uh, airway management, I think. I'm not really sure. And the second aspect, uh, and there was another second aspect to it. And Jim Gordon had just kind of stepped through the door. And so he's another player in this. He had been at the University of Michigan. He participated in the Harvard Macy Educators Program. And at that time, people would come and tour CMS. They, we, they did that for several years. So that's how Jim got to know CMS. I think we had changed our name by then. We became CMS in about 97 when we were expanding beyond anesthesia. We realized the name had to change too. So that's how we got to know Jim. Jim just happens to get a job in emergency medicine at Mass General, and he walks in the door, and here I've got this grant from the Macy Foundation. I said, Jim, you want to do this? He said, sure. So I funded some of his time from that grant, uh, and that's how Jim and I got connected, and he got started in his early work at MGH in simulation, uh, and that was the first part of the Macy Foundation So, a grant. So at the end of that grant, we're running out of money, and we said, well, geez, you know, can we go back to them? And what's, what do we really need? What's the problem? And he and I together recognized the most important thing for simulation, it's the faculty. It's all about the teachers. It's how people teach using this tool. Now, people watching this will probably already know that. But back then, it wasn't so obvious. It was, oh, people would come and they'd use a mannequin. They'd learn how to practice something. And it became clear that the teachers are really critical. And using simulation as a vehicle to excite and motivate instructors to teach in a new way, to develop relationships with their students, to just really think differently about themselves as educators, uh, that was the magic. That was really the most important thing that simulation could do. Because the vector for change is in the teachers. And that's true not just in simulation and healthcare, it's true throughout the world. So we went back to the Macy Foundation and we proposed that we develop a program for uh, for uh, simulation instructors. By the way, we had, with Dave Gaba and Matt Couric, who was at the University of Toronto, had been a fellow with us, we had done instructor training a few years before. We had a one- or two-day program. But this was a different program. This was, uh, there'd been a hiatus in that program. This was completely, IMS was completely developed from scratch. So we got this three-year grant from Macy to develop what then became the Institute for Medical Simulation I think it was Robert who made up the name, but I don't remember exactly. One of those things that may have happened in a room and nobody remembers, but he may remember. So Dan is here, Robert's here, the IMS exists, the first instructor course is, is getting off the ground. And so around this time, Jenny Rudolph joins the team. So I wonder if you could talk about bringing Jenny onto the team. So uh, this is, again was another total serendipity of the way things happen around here. And I don't even know exactly how it happened. I mean, I know it because other people have told me uh, recently that Jenny had visited Dave Gaba at Stanford, and because she couldn't move out there, he sent her to us. And again, it's another little piece about how people like Dave and I, we just collaborate, uh, we, you know, we help each other, we don't compete. And those kinds of relationships are just so critical because uh, things have happened in the opposite direction too, by the way. As an example, 
I'm collaborating closely with Sarah Goldhaber Fiebert, who was an anesthesia resident here, did work with us. She's now there at Stanford in Dave's group. And those kinds, that kind of uh, uh, cross country and cross institutional collaboration is just so vital. And, and you have to take the time to do it. You have to reach out. And Jenny Rudolph's a great example of the magic of, of what happens serendipitously from those kinds of relationships. So she shows up here. I don't even remember exactly when. I don't even know who she met first, but she was working on her PhD dissertation at the time, and she ended up coming here and did a study uh, for her dissertation. So she was here as a PhD student. The IMS, I think, was already kind of up and running, and Robert would be better to tell the story about than how he got Jenny to start helping develop the course. And so when you interview Robert, he can explain, explain more about it. But, but again, I think the key piece is the serendipity of us. And also another aspect of it is students. Having students of all kinds, graduate students and fellows and medical students and nursing students, anybody who takes the time to seek you out, it's worth spending time with them, worth finding out uh, are they a fit with what you're trying to do? Because the new ideas, the questions, the out-of-the-box thinking come from students who challenge the system, and especially students from other disciplines. So here, Jenny is an organizational behavior scientist. You know, and, and, and you know, I'm a chemical engineer, and Dan's a biomedical engineer, and Robert's a, a educational psychologist, and then there are all the different physician specialties who work together at CMS. That's the chemistry of putting diverse people together because diversity, you know, this may sound like a political statement, it is. Diversity is strength. It's the diversity is bringing different kinds of people together from all different kinds of places. That's what not just creates, makes creativity and innovation, but it's a strength. It's a biological strength that's created by bringing people together like that. And if CMS is anything, it, it, it's success, I think, we can attribute to the, that diversity and that openness to all different kinds of people. 